Okay, let's start reading at Acts 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere. Doing what? What are they doing? Preaching the word, preaching Christ. Christ is the word. He's the word. Okay. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. And what did he do? Preached the word, spoke the word, talked the word. Okay. And the multitude with one accord heeded to the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Word brings what? Faith. Brings faith. Okay. For unclean spirits cried with a, what kind of voice? It came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and the lame were healed. Okay? And there was what? Great joy in the city. Now we'll go to verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were what? Baptized in Jesus' name. Now, we're going to share with us this morning, preaching the word of Christ. They went everywhere under extreme conditions doing what? Preaching the word, speaking the word. Faith was being built up. Christ gives power when the word comes. People feel with the Spirit of God has what? Power. Giving you power. And all power in heaven and earth belongs to who? So Satan didn't what? Hello? He has no power against you. Because all power belongs to Christ, and Christ is where? Inside you. So he has no power. He's, he, he's working with a bruised head. He don't have good sense. He can get knocked in the head, but we won't go there neither. Christ's power excuse, <clears throat> turns a person into a new man. When you feel with the Holy Spirit, you're turned into a new woman. You're a new creature. Your language change. You got a new home waiting for you in heaven. Already got your name on it. When they preach the word, you should preach the word to yourself more than you do anybody else. Because when you preach the word yourself, your faith will get what? Going to get built up. You'll be new, a new creature in Christ. All things are new, and you'll have a new mind. You don't have the mind of worry and fear and anxiety and all those kind of things. I sort of got a word from the Lord from somebody this morning that our eyes is open today. How many know it's good to know the, who the Lord is? Need to know in our eyes with eyesight, book of Revelation, where you can see what God has really for us. But they went everywhere preaching the word. Acts 9 tells us something here, very wonderful, and about Ananias. In verse 17, the Apostle Paul had been knocked down on the road to Manus. He's blind. He goes to Ananias because 
Christ has sent them there. And when he gets to Ananias, the Bible said, and Ananias laid his hands on him and put his hands on him and said to him, The Lord Jesus Christ that appeared unto you have sent you here that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's one thing to have a good eyesight who God is, but it's another thing to be filled with the Holy Ghost where there's no limits. God has no limits. He has rivers of living water flowing out of us. So he received his sight at the same time, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost at the same time. It all happened. He was baptized at the same time. All happened in a split moment or a second. Acts 3 tells about a crippled man. But Acts 2 tells us something else first. After they had received the power of the Spirit, And after it said, there's no salvation in no other name but except that name of Jesus Christ. And as Peter preached to them in Acts 2, the Bible said they was cut to their heart. The Word of God will cut into the soul of the son of a man and tells him what type of man he is. And not only that, the Word and the Spirit works together. The Word does the cutting does the influencing, and the Spirit takes it and brings it to pass. So as he was speaking here, something wonderful happened. They said, what must we do to be saved? And I want you to know there's cut to your heart. And I'm not talking about sorrow and grief and things. I'm talking about when the Word of God reveals to you what manner of person you are and cuts into your heart, something's going to happen. They said, what must we do? Confession came. Faith brings confession. The Word brought the forth the faith as he preached it. And then they began to confess, what must we do? Peter said, repent. I mean, that's the first step to receive salvation is repentance. For they went back to Jerusalem. Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem and preach repentance in my name. When repentance is preached in his name, conviction comes. And he was convicted. All of them was convicted at one time. You know, it doesn't, God can save a few or he can save a thousands at one time. I believe it's in Acts 19 or 17 where Paul preached. It doesn't say it in the scriptures, but a scholar said over 19,000 people gathered to hear him speak the words of Christ. That was something back then, to have that many people together, just to hear the word of Christ. And they said, what must we do to be saved? He said, repent. I like what Ken said this morning. I agree with him 100%. We must learn to repent of the things that enters our mind that offends God. We got to learn to repent and ask forgiveness. So they said, 
He said, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and ye shall or will receive the Holy Ghost. And once you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to get what with it? Power. That's what Christians need is power. Wonderful power. The most thing about power is for us to be witnesses for Christ. And the Bible said 3,000 were saved that day. 5,000 the next day because the preaching of the word, Christ. No other name where you can go except that name, Jesus Christ, to bring forth the anointing of God in our lives. And uh, then Peter goes down and the gate called Beautiful. And there was a crippled man. We might say, well, Brother Billy, I've heard that a lot. I got it in my mind. But it's like Sister Ruth said one Sunday morning. She said, I want to say something. She said, as y'all know, there's something new in the Bible. You know, first thing comes to my mind, you know, what's wrong with her? But the next thing, she said, I read something. I know I read it before, but it was new this time. Oh, that's why it's so important to read the Word of God. You said, well, I know it, but there's always new revelation in the Word of God that we don't see until He reveals it to it. It's by revelation. Upon this rock, I will build my church. It means revelation. He's going to build His church. And they was on the road to prayer, the 9 o'clock morning prayer meeting. They was on the way to prayer, and there was a crippled man, 40 years being crippled. And Peter looked at him and said, such as I have, I'm going to do what? I'm going to give you healing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately he was what? Healed. Ken mentioned about Brother Powell and his son-in-law. I don't know how many years probably they've been praying for him, but he was raised Catholic. But he got the Holy Ghost and just fell out in the floor Sunday night. I want you to know God is alive everywhere. He's alive in here this morning. And he says, such as I have, I give to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He reached down and got him by the hand and pulled him up. He'd been a cripple for approximately 40 years. Hadn't walked. And I believe in rehab. Don't get me wrong. I've seen people that didn't look like they'd never walk again. And they go to rehab and get out of there walking and doing good. But first thing you know, they're right back where they were because they failed to continue in that. We will fail God if we don't continue in the revelation he gives us. And he jumped up. I'm looking for the day that some of you that can't jump, jump up and jump. Amen. I'm telling you, the God gives your physical body power without rehab. Church, that's a miraculous revelation right there. He hadn't walked in 40 years. How many of you can be in a hospital just a few days or weeks? I've never been out. I really don't know that. I just know what they tell me. The first thing, your muscle mass starts getting away from you. If you don't exercise, get ready to lose your muscle mass. 
But I want you to know this man had been a cripple for 40 years, hadn't walked or anything. But when the power of the Holy Ghost ran through those veins in that flesh, in that body, the stripes of Jesus set that flesh afire and the muscle mass began to come back. I don't, however you feel today, God can do anything that you need today. Right now, this very moment, he can strengthen you where you thought it wouldn't be ever be strengthened. He leaped up. He ran. He shouted. How many of you know that some people need a good long shout? Now we talked from the Word of God Wednesday night where the Bible said, shout to your what? Didn't say pray. Didn't say ask. Said stand up and do what? Shout to your mountain. When you shout to your mountain, it will disappear out of your path and you'll be able to get what you're looking for. Some people say, well, I don't believe in running and I don't believe in falling out. Y'all remember one time Brother Rick McNeely was here and called me up on the stage? Y'all remember that? He laid his hands on me, and I don't know what happened. I just blinked out, you know. I want you to know the power of the Holy Ghost can do wonders in your life when nothing else in the world can do because there's no power, hallelujah, no weapon formed against you can prosper. He'd been a cripple for 40 years, but it could not cripple, hold him down when the power of the Holy Ghost came into that flesh, came into that spirit. It quickened every fiber in his body, and he came alive, and he jumped up and ran. He leaped. Because the word was preached. How many preach to yourself? You got to learn to do what? To preach to yourself. I'm talking about preaching the word of God. That has power. And the first thing you know, your faith will get built up when you preach to yourself the wonderful things of God and what He's doing. Acts 8, 4, and 8. I'd like for him to put that back up there. We're going to read that again before we go any further. But before we do that, the council asked Peter about this. You know, a little maid called Peter to deny Christ three times, and he cursed. He said, I don't know that man. I don't know that man. He cursed three times and denied him. But when he was filled with the Holy Ghost, and they carried him before the Sanhedrin court and asked him these questions, he was not intimidated no more because the Holy Ghost was inside him and speaking the things of God. He said, why look upon us for what something we have done, our power, but it was the power of, that God raised his son Jesus Christ from the dead that has done this thing. It's not by man, but it's by the power of God that's inside Peter and inside you and I. Nicodemus told Jesus in John 3, said, we know you're sent from God. There's something Nicodemus didn't know. Because Jesus asked, how being on the men of Sanhedrin court, the highest court in the land, and you don't know this. But there's one thing, Sister Linda, he knew. He said, we know 
that you are sent from God because no man can do what you do and how you do it unless he was from God and unless God was with him. Listen, God was with Jesus. How many want to shout right now and say, God is with me and in me and for me, and there's no weapon going to come against me as long as the power of God is fighting that thing. Nicodemus knew that. He didn't know nothing about being reborn again, but he knew that. But he learned about being reborn again. You must be reborn again of the water and of the Spirit. That's where the power is. That's where the power is. Let's put Acts 8, if you would please, back up there, 4, 8, and 12. Therefore, those who were scattered went where? Now, you have to read Acts back up a little bit and see they was under extreme persecution, but they were still speaking the word. All right, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of where? And what did he do? Jesus went through the city of Samaria in Act, I mean, John 4. He had opened the door to the Samaritans that nobody wanted anything to do with them because they was mixed breed. Nobody didn't want nothing to do with them people. So a Jew wouldn't even walk through the land. If he knew that was the land of the Samaritan, he'd walk way around. It might take him miles. He'd go around. He didn't want nothing to do with them. But Jesus went down there and sat on the well and opened the door. How many know we're reaping where we have not sown? Philip is reaping where he has not sown. He's reaping where Jesus has already sown that he was alive, and that he could help them Samaritan. But he sends Philip down there. And notice what happened. He preached what unto them. Did they know about Christ? Yes, they did. Because the woman said, come and see the man that told me everything I did. All the city turned out and heard Jesus and looked at her and said, we believe your report, but we believe him now because we hear him. You may hear it from somebody else, but I tell you, once you hear it for yourself, you're going to be changed. You may hear what somebody else is saying and wondering all about it, but once you hear for yourself, feel it for yourself, nobody has to tell you that Christ has come in your life and filled you with the power of God. You won't have to have no bumper sticker with what you believe. Oh, Hallelujah. Verse 5, he preached Christ to them, okay? And the multitude with what? Wouldn't it be wonderful we, we could all get in one accord? Wouldn't that be something? I tell you, <laughs> even family members can't get in one accord. I know I've told you this before. Peggy said we're plus or minus. I never figured that out, which one is, plus or minus. But she said it takes both of us to crank a car like a battery. It takes a plus and a minus. Wouldn't it be wonderful if family members could get together in one accord? I wonder what would happen. wonder what happened in this church this morning if we'd all get in one accord, one mind, one spirit, and one authority of the power of the Holy Ghost. I tell you, the heavens would open up, and the floods of God would come rolling in on us. Hallelujah. All of our minds gathered in. The Bible says, gird up the slowings of your mind. Don't let your mind run loose. Make it believe and think on the things of God. And the first thing you'll see miraculous things happening in your personal life. Okay? Four, verse 6. And the multitude will, well, that, that's all right. Verse 6 be fine. Hearing and seeing the miracles. The lame will what? 
wouldn't it be wonderful that all of this area, all of this area would be healed? Huh? Wouldn't it be wonderful? You say, well, that's impossible. It wasn't impossible that here, all of them cities was what? Healed. And all the evil spirits was what? Cast out by one man, Philip. Some say, well, it ended with the 12. No, Philip wasn't the 12. He wasn't no apostle. He was an evangelist. First, he was poured Kool-Aid, served cookies, things like that. God, when he calls you, maybe all you can do is just walk. But won't be long, you'll be a little trotting. Won't long, you'll be a little running. I believe Sister Linda preached a message one time. If I'm wrong, you can correct me. I believe she was in Kentucky and seen this. Was you the one that said that? And uh, saw this little colt. He was sort of looking at this high-powered third thoroughbred they led by, and he was a prancing and a walking. And it said it looked like this thoroughbred stopped and looked over in there and said, one day you'll be like me. How many of you know that God wants us to be like him? He don't want us to be like an outcast. He wants us to be a part of him. He's painting a picture of what we can be by the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. You ought to say amen. I'm telling you, we got something inside of us. I like that song Ken used to sing as a miracle coming down my road, but I'm going to change that up a little bit. There's a miracle in your house. There's a miracle in you. There's a lady I read the other day where she prayed two years earnestly for something from God and never heard one thing from God. But at the end of two years, God said, I had it prepared for you the first day you prayed, but you wasn't ready to receive it. We want to get ready this morning to receive what God has for us. Get ready for what you've been praying for to happen this morning. He said, I had it ready. I would have given it to you the moment you prayed. Listen, God has already prepared what he's going to do. He's waiting to see what's going to happen. He told him, said, you go several miles over yonder and you'll find a donkey that's tied. You untie him and bring to him. And, and if they ask you why you getting that donkey, you tell them the master has need of him. He'd already prepared a donkey and had him tied up. God has something prepared for you, already tied up, waiting for you just to come and take a hold of it. He's already got it ready. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. He's got what you need already in the chute ready for you to claim and put your claim on him. Before Jonah was ever thrown overboard, God knew he was going to be thrown overboard. But if the Bible said he had prepared a fish beforehand. God had prepared something beforehand before you ever get there. Your miracle is waiting for you to get there. This morning, your salvation is waiting. Not waiting on God. He's already prepared for it. I'm not going to say it, but my voice. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord can give you strength you don't even think you got. We're not to move in our strength. We're to move in His strength and these kind of things. Then Philip's something happened. He was in a great revival. Everybody in that city got the Holy Ghost by laying on their hands. You read it in Acts 8. They got it by laying on their hands. Would you leave a mighty revival if God called you to? If you say a mighty revival broke out in this city, would you leave and go to another city? Hello? Most of us won't stay here, right? 
But the angel appeared. Angel appeared. Hallelujah. God has need of you down in the desert. Philip packs up Diane and he goes. He's standing there in the desert. I want you to know that God don't always tell you what he's called you for. He just told him to go to the desert. I want you to visualize Philip just standing there in the desert looking around. Now what am I going to do? He's obeyed God, obeyed the angel. How many believe you got angels around you? They tell us every blade of grass. Now, I don't know whether I believe this or not, but the scholar says every blade of grass that's growing out there has an angel around it speaking to it to grow and produce what God has called you to do. God's concerned about everything he's ever created, but it multiplying. Here stands Philip just standing here. Now what? Chariots is running by. Here comes a rich man by in a chariot. You say, how do you know he's rich? Because he had a driver, had a limousine. He had a driver. The Bible said he had a driver, so he had to be rich, right? And he's riding down. He was reading the book of Isaiah and the Lord. Hallelujah. How many want the Lord to speak to you? The Lord wants to speak to you in your desert place when he's called you forth out of a mighty revival and a mighty regathering and sent you down to the desert place. The same God that called you is the same God that's standing with you in the desert and said, that's the chariot. And the Bible said he had to run. He had to run to catch up with the chariot. And he jumped aboard. And he asked him, he said, you understand what you're reading? He said, no, I don't. He was reading in Isaiah. And Philip preached Christ unto him. And he said, what hindered me to be baptized? So the preaching, the word caused him to have what? Faith. To be baptized. Stopped the chariot. And both of them got out and went down into the water. And was baptized. Was baptized. Preaching the word brings faith, and faith brings miracles when word is preached. The little maiden intimidated Peter so much that he cursed and denied Christ, but the Sanhedrin court could not intimidate him. They sent him out and said, don't preach in that name no more. He said, it's better for me to obey God than obey man. He was intimidated before he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They caught him and brought him back in and beat him severely and said, whatever you do, don't preach or teach. Don't preach or teach in that name Jesus no more. Somebody tell me what he did as soon as they let him loose. Anybody going to tell me? What did he do? He went right back out there and began to what? Preach, proclaim Christ. He could not be intimidated. When they got ready to crucify him he said crucify me upside down he could not be intimidated after he received the baptism of the power of the Holy Ghost in his life because he was so full of power those things could not intimidate him no more I don't know about you but I tell you the Holy Ghost is a wonderful thing that Christ has given us he's a wonderful thing he's given you St. John, 1 John says you don't need another man to teach you what he means can't nobody teach you anything if they don't have the Holy Ghost. 
they don't have the Spirit of God in their lives. They're not able to teach you. Who is your teacher? Somebody sell out, who's my teacher? Who's my teacher? The Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost to you. He shall do what? Teach you, lead you, and guide you in all the truth, and he will never speak of himself. And when he leads you to the truth, Jesus says, I am the truth. And when he leads to you, to me, he said, I will set you free. No man cometh to God except he's drawn by the Spirit. The Spirit of God draws people to God or Jesus Christ, and he sets you free. How many are glad you're free? You're not what you used to be. You may not be what you want to be, but thank God you're not what you used to be. You may fail God, but the blood of Jesus in the book of Romans is working in you constantly, keeping you cleansed of all of your sin because the power is in the blood. Amen? It's not on a doorpost. It's in the heart or soul and your mind. It's the blood of Jesus that's living constantly and always praying for us that we will succeed in what we do. Praise God. He's accuser of the brother in the day and night, the devil. He's accusing you of your faults and failures and shortcomings when you don't have any. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you and made you fit vessel for the kingdom of God while you're here on this earth. Hallelujah. Mm. Ken read John, Romans 8 and 28. All things work for together what? Hello? Hello? All things work for together for good to those that love God. You love God. The wonderful things of God. Mm. Praise God. Our baptistry been sick to Tylenols hadn't picked it. We put the water back in it, preparing to receive those that's coming that hadn't come yet. But Brother Don has worked diligently on it and going to raise it from the dead. He, he's got the stuff that's going to raise it from the dead. It's going to come alive again. Amen. How I many you know you don't need hot water to be baptized? Oh, they used to break ice and baptize you. Fool, you talking about shivering. <laughs> oh, goodness. Lead you out in a pond. And some of you have been baptized in a pond, right? So, glory to God. The wonderful things of God. What God can do for you. Hallelujah. Philip opened his mouth and he preached Christ. He preached the Word. You say, well, I don't know what to say. Jesus said, I'll give you words to say. I'll put words in your mouth. The flesh can't teach the flesh spiritual things. It takes the word from Christ, the anointed one, to anoint us for the things of God. Peter got on the boat, and uh, he said, Peter, launch out into the deep. What did Peter say? I've toiled all night. My legs hurt. My arms hurt. I'm weary and I'm tired. That's why Peter made a living was fishing. They own a fishing industry. 
They worked for their father. But if they didn't catch fish, the electric bill couldn't be paid, right? Hello? And neither could they buy $4.50 gas. Amen? They couldn't buy food. You say, well, they could eat their fish they caught. They wouldn't catch any fish. I want you to know this was a devastating situation. But Jesus, oh, I just feel like I could run out across them pews. But I'd be in the flesh, I guess. I might hurt myself. But I want you to know somebody stepped on that boat. I want you to know this morning, in the midst of all your crisis, somebody is stepping on your boat. Somebody sees what's going on in your life. <laughs> He's not blew, blowing no tooting horn. He's not blowing no bugle. He just silently reached out and stepping on your boat. Amen. Are y'all ready? But then he says, launch out. What's he mean by launching out? He said, you got to leave this worthless place that you're in. You got to leave this place that's useless. You got to leave this place unproductive. You're not getting anywhere. But if you'll hear my voice, how I many you know if you'll hear the voice of God is speaking to you this morning and step away from what you've been in and what you're going through with, even though you don't feel anything, you obey the voice of God that has spoken to you. And the first thing you know when you release from that place and start going out into the deep, amen? Oh, church, there's a place with God that we have never been before. There's a place in God wants us to be like we've never been before. He said, I'm going to show you something that no flesh can show you. They went out there and let down that net, hallelujah, and the net began to break, and the boat began to sink. Whew. Glory to God. That's why I said there's a miracle in your house. There's a miracle in your life. It's there, already there, because he stepped in your boat. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to notice something else happened. God already had another boat out there waiting. Some people say, well, what are we going to do with all these people that's coming in? We won't have anybody to teach them. <laughs> He's already got somebody ready. Amen. Deuteronomy 31, he already had somebody ready to help build the temple. Craftsmen in everything. We worry about things that we don't need to worry about. He said, why will you worry? He said, I feed the sparrow today. You're gone tomorrow. Why are you a little worrying about that? And as he launched out in the deep, in the Jesus, I want you to know what Peter said. I'm tired and I'm weary. Some people talk about being old and being tired. I got tired when I was young. Huh? I did. I don't know about nobody else. I was plowing a mule when I was five years old. My daddy had cut the feet down on it and cut the handle down on it and, and plowing a mule. That mule knew more about plowing than I did. All I had to do was hold a handle and follow him. He knew when to go out and turn around and come back. My legs would hurt so bad at night my mother had cried with me and prayed over me at night, rubbing my leg with horse Raleigh liniment. That's all we had. Listen, this saying, old, I'm old, and I'm tired. You know, you ought to say, I'm old, but I'm renewing. I'm regenerating. I'm reviving. The Spirit of God is in me. No, Come on now. No weapon formed against me shall prosper because God is within my life. 
How many know we got the chief physician on our side? And they had such a great catch. And Jesus said, don't worry, Peter. From now on, you'll catch men. Our responsibility is to catch men and make disciples out of them for what Christ is in our lives. Your miracles were in your house. Jesus has stepped on your boat. Amen. You may have little faith, but I want you to wake up the one that's got all kinds of faith. Amen. Your faith might not be strong enough to calm the storm, even though Jesus is on your <laughs> He'll heal all your doubts and all your fears. He'll speak where you're not able to speak. But he wants you to grow up to where you can speak to the storm in your life, where you can talk to the things of God and receive the wonderful blessings of God. We're going to close with this right here. Second Kings 3 and 9. Israel was under severe wartime. Three kings was come against them in verse 10. And God sends the Elisha, the prophet, down there. And the Bible said, if you believe the prophet, you shall succeed. But the book of Hebrews said, Jesus Christ is our prophet today. He's the one that we need to hear. He's the one that has the words to eternal life. He's the deliverer of our hearts and souls. They used to have the prophets we still have prophets. We ought to see them operating in the church. Apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, working a miracle, the gift of faith. All those things need to operate in the church. But here in the Old Testament, and Elisha the prophet believed. He believed and he went down there because God told him to go down there. And this is what God told him to tell him in this crisis situation, this terrible situation, three kings coming out to meet them, to destroy them. Verse 16, this is what the Lord says. Make you ditches in your valley. Make you ditches in your valley. If you're in a valley, you can't just sit there and say, Oh, my Lord, oh, my goodness. You said that wouldn't be no hard task. They had no iron. In David's time, Saul and Jonathan was the only one who had an iron sword. The Philistine had them in such control they could have no iron. So all the ditches had to be dug with a stick. Hmm? I got some picks. I started to bring one, let some of you use it and see. But them things are heavy. But they just had sticks and stays and staffs, and they got out there in the valley. How many know that God can tell you to call you to do something sometime to the flesh? It looks totally ridiculous. You think he done lost his mind. And that's why we won't do it. 
because we judge it from the flesh viewpoint, not from a spiritual viewpoint. But he said, get out there in your valley. Is anybody in the valley this morning? The first thing God wants to say to you this morning, start digging you some ditches in your valley. Can you just see God just sitting there waiting? Hmm? Right, Sister Linda? You're grinning. He's just sitting there waiting. He's not doing nothing. He's just there waiting. Well, why don't you do something? God said, why don't you do what I told you to do? Hmm? Start digging you some ditches, pearl. Don't just dig one. Dig a bunch of them. Hallelujah. The Bible said they went to work immediately. It's important to be obedient to the Word of God. Peter said, nevertheless, as tired and as weary and as wore out as I am, nevertheless, at your word, at your word, I will do it. He wasn't doing it from the fleshly standpoint. He wasn't doing it from that. He was tired and as weary and his muscles was aching and everything in him was weary. And he was distraught. He didn't know how he was going to pay the next electric bill. Amen. And where they going? He didn't know anything, but he said, "Nevertheless, it's your word." How many of you know that ought to be our song? Nevertheless, at the word of God, regardless of how I feel, Hallelujah! Regardless of how it looks, I'm going to move out what God says. I'm going to move from this place to another place. And he may have you moving from another place to another place. And the Bible said they went out there and filled that valley with ditches, with ditches. And then here comes a shocker. Elisha said, <laughs> ain't going to be no wind, no rain. <laughs> what did I dig the ditch for? I tell you, we had some wind. What, when, was it yesterday? Brother Don, was it yesterday when we had some wind? I come up here to sort of check on the church. Man, it was raining up here. No wind was blowing. And, and uh, he said, ain't going to be no wind. Ain't going to be no rain, you know. We look up the clouds and we see what? We think it's going to rain and see wind. But he said, it's not going to be none. Oh, hallelujah, but they're out there digging, and they get through digging. You say, why didn't God do something? He's waiting on to see faith. Somebody ought to say amen. God going to see faith before he moves. When he saw the faith of the four carrying the blind with crippled from youth, carrying them crippled from the youth, to bring in a tearing off the ceiling and get that child down, get that man down, and when he saw their faith, the Bible said he moved. He said, your sins are forgiven. Take up your, hallelujah. How many of you know that God is a multi-blessing God? He healed him first, and then he said, I mean, forgave his sin first, and said, now take up your bed and go home. He rolled up that bed and went home. Because God is so miraculous, marvelous. He waited till he seen their faith. When he saw their faith in action, verse 20 said, there came a flood from the mountain. Ooh, glory to God. How many know the flood comes to you from the mountain of the Lord? It said the flood came from the mountain. You find that in first, second Kings 3rd and verse 20. The flood came from the mountain of Edom and came flooding down and filled all of their ditches with water, meaning the anointing. The anointing. All the word of God. Be obedient. Obedience is better than what? Sacrifice. They say Saul was rejected because he offered sacrifice, and he couldn't offer it because he wasn't a high priest. Well, if you study that carefully, 
Saul did the same. I mean, David did the same thing. He offered sacrifice, which he wasn't supposed to, but it was his heart that the fam was different. Solomon, I'm not Solomon, yeah, Solomon done the same thing, and God didn't censor them. But why did he censor Saul? Oh, disobedience. Disobedience. And when he first came to be anointed king, God said, Samuel, tell him I'm going to turn him into another man. You know, when the power of God, when he poured the oil on Saul, he was turned into another man. When the anointing comes on you, the power of God comes on you, you're turned into another creature. Old things are passed away. You're a new person. And if you come out of the world like I did, and like Brother Melvin did, news going to get back to you. Well, it won't last. I'm still here. <laughs> Brother Melvin's still here. Some of you could say the same thing because it turns you into another man. It's a shame that Saul turned back when he was turned to another man. It's devastating to read that. God wants to bless you beyond what you can imagine. He wants to pour amulets of blessings out upon us. He wants us to bless going in and bless coming out, bless rising up and bless going down because he's in us. He's not have to come when you were born again of the Spirit, baptized, the power of God lives inside you. He's your miracle worker. Sister Madeline Ragsdale, she got first got into church one time. She called Peggy. I think we lived at Night's Bluff, didn't, didn't, we, didn't we? And some of them kids, one of them girls that drank, what, bleach? And Peggy said, well, just, just pray. And they prayed, and God healed that child. I want you to know you got a miracle working in your life. Hallelujah. Launch out. Leave some things. I knew this guy was in the church when I first got in the church. He loved snuff. He'd get the Holy Ghost. He'd throw his snuff away. After a little while, he's back on it. One time he got it again. He threw it away. It landed in the back of a dump truck he was working on. He always watched where it went. This is a true story. You don't need to be watching your past. It's gone. He climbed up in the back of that truck. When you get full of the Spirit of God, you're going to have to stay full because that booger man going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to have more with him, stronger than he is to devour you. But he can't devour you if the healer is still in there. The power of God is still in there. He'll put up a shield. He'll fight your battles for you. God bless you for being here today. Look for a miracle in your life today. Hallelujah. Someone already told me this morning, our eyes have been opened for today. Is that right? So the Lord said, I woke up the other morning real early, and I'm not going to tell you, but the Lord showed me something. I want you to believe God for the best that he has, and the best he has is yours. It belongs to you. 
You're an heir and a joint heir. God bless you for being here today. God bless you.